Welcome to Leverage Women Podcast, where we equip, inspire, and connect women in the leadership that God has called them to. Welcome to our Leverage Podcast. I'm here today with my friend, uh, Dana Olson-Brooks. She is the Director of Community Relations at Maple Ridge Baptist Church, and in her role, does much managing of people and building of leaders. And so today, we're going to talk to her about some of the key things that she does as she runs events, manages volunteers, inspires volunteers. Uh, So welcome here, Dana. Thanks for having me. We are so glad to connect with you. Crazy times that we're living in. Have you found that during this COVID-19 crisis, are you busier than ever? Uh, For certain, very busy, but a lot of the busyness, I think, is just finding creative ways to connect with people. And um, I've heard it said, I think Brene Brown was saying last week, she had a post that said creativity requires um, confidence and courage. And um, I think you have to have a lot of both um, these days in just how we do everything. Everything's a new norm. And I think it takes a certain degree of creativity to just do anything um, right now, even going to the grocery store or anything. We're, we're just using our creative energy a lot. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I've been doing a little bit of the calling that you've asked mm-hmm. me to do and mm-hmm. talked to quite a few people. And one of the things that I find amazing is that is there seems to be more intentionality in connecting with people than there was before this crisis. Yeah, absolutely. Finding that? Yeah. yeah. And I think people's um, desire to have a conversation with someone, there's a lot of messages coming our way through social media and what we see on the news and, you know, we're processing a lot of that, but that personal piece of actually hearing another heartbeat over the phone, I think is just really critical um, right now for people. Yes. People need that connection and are recognizing the need for it. I know in some of the conversations I had yesterday with people, people I don't really know. I look at their name on a piece of paper, just calling that database and go, gee, I kind of recognize that name, but I honestly couldn't pick them out of a lineup. I give them a call. I One woman thanked me at least 10 times yesterday for giving her a call because that connection piece is so important. So one of the one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today mm-hmm. is we, um, you know, I look at you, I look at the ministry that you're involved in and some of the uh, expertise that you bring to the table around managing team and managing volunteers. What do you think in your estimation is the biggest challenge that you have right now in connecting people within community? Uh, I think people's first reaction when you with anything is that they don't have time. Um, I think people are connected to a lot of things. Um, I don't know if people are connected to a lot of people. Um, So I think it all for me starts with actually knowing somebody. Um, What do I know about people? What do they know about me? And I think that's where you sort of start. If you're looking at building a team out, you have to figure out who people are. They have to figure out who you are. And that takes time. So I would say the biggest challenge um, is the time component of just getting time in front and with people. Um, and I think one of the ways around that a little bit is as you're building team, asking your team 
who they know and who's in their circles because they're already spending time with those folks as well. So you're almost building teams through the team that you have. So you're not like reaching over top of your team, but you're actually reaching through your team. Um, I think that that challenge of time and just, you know, having the opportunity to connect with people, you've got to be really creative how you do that. Oh, yeah, that's actually a really good point. And interestingly enough, in this climate that we find ourselves in, people have time now that they didn't have before. Right. I mean, the surprises I've had is I've been calling people and just reminding them that they're loved and part of our church community is everybody answers the phone. Like yeah. everybody's around. Yeah. And it kind of it feels good it feels good to think that somebody's going to pick that phone up at the other end that i'm not just getting a text i'm not just leaving a voicemail i'm being a real live person and i don't know there's there's a part of me that thinks man i wish this wouldn't end i wish that we could establish a new normal new habits yeah. of how we connect with one another yeah for sure yeah well, there's something about that personal piece, like you can process a message or media from someone, but it's one sided, you know, to be heard by somebody means you actually have to be communicating with them. And that's very different than just processing information. It's kind of funny. I thought about it the other night. My oldest daughter um, was married in the fall and doesn't live with us anymore. And so in this time, we haven't seen her in person for the last two weeks because um, of just the whole situation we're in. And normally when I would try and call Olivia, because it's my first instinct to call someone, I'm a little old school that way, but sometimes I just feel it's the fastest way to get information and connect with people. So I'm a little old school. She never answers the phone, ever, ever, ever. So I would always send her a text. But I noticed the last two weeks when we haven't been able to see her in person, when I call her, she's answering her phone. And I said to her last night, Liv, I can't believe you're answering the phone all the time. And she was like, well, mom, I miss seeing you. And it's so interesting that all of a sudden people are answering their phones, which really speaks to that, that innate desire we have to be connected and to be heard, which means we belong to somebody, like we're in relationship with somebody. So yeah, that personal piece is huge. I hope that that's something that we really... Um, glom onto um, through all of this and just realize that that's such a deep need that we have and that other people have too. So yeah, no, it's a really good point you make. Uh, in Daniel Coyle's book, The Culture Code, mm -hmm. he talks about the necessity of being seen mm -hmm. and heard. Mm -hmm. And that this is such an important part of understanding the power of belonging mm -hmm. and yeah. that we all need to feel like we belong and one of the things that I'm reminding people of is is that because you know even for some people who are loosely associated yep. with our church uh, people who come Christmas and Easter and a couple other times or they just know somebody and they've been there a few times or whatever their story is to get a call and be told, well, listen, you belong in our community. You're part of who we are. If you need anything, you let us know. We're here to help you. Uh, that it, it's like it sends endorphins into yes. their into their body, in their and and they get a happy feeling, like, oh, I actually belong. Right. And so I think that you know when we talk about 
volunteers and we talk about uh, church community or any community for that matter, this idea of helping people understand that they belong is so important. And, and I'm wondering too, like I think about how we traditionally have done church community over the last number of years is it's gotten kind of more sophisticated and in some ways more distant, like we've become more distant from each other. We have, we, one of the things that is talked about in Daniel Coyle's book about belonging is the fact that we, we mistakenly think that we tell somebody on our team or in our tribe, you belong, you're important to us. And we tell them that in, let's say we could tell them that in September mm-hmm. and we don't remind them about that mm-hmm. until December, right? January. Yeah. And the research is showing that people need to be told consistently that they belong Mm -hmm. and you liken that to the message that we have in the scripture where where the overarching story from genesis to revelation is belonging 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 in different variations and themes god reminds his people that they are his you are mine and and why that's such a powerful narrative for us so yeah, I, I I applaud you in what you in the front lines, uh, trying to keep people connected in our community. And it's such a great message for our listeners to hear that no matter where their tribe is or who they minister to or who they lead, reminding them that they're important and reminding them that they belong to a bigger picture is so important. I want them. to go back to something you said earlier. Um, you were talking about belonging, that people um, want to be heard and seen and heard because when we see and hear someone we understand them and I think that ultimately is the base of belonging is that someone understands us Um, and in order to understand someone you actually have to see or hear them like how many emails or messages have you ever received that you're like I don't know if I'm crazy but there's like a bad vibe about that message and then you talk to the person and that's not at all what their intention was and you misunderstand them because you didn't see them or hear them. And I think that whole piece of belonging and being relationship with people, you actually have to be in front of people. You have to connect with them personally. And I think that part about having people on your team asking yourself, do they understand me? Like, do they understand my heart, my intentions, my motives, my behaviors? Do they understand my weaknesses? Um, and do I understand who they are? Do I know that what makes them jump out of bed in the morning? Do I know how important their family is or isn't to them? Like, who are these people that we have on our teams? Do we understand them? Because if we don't, we actually don't see or hear them. We're not really connected to them. Yeah, that's such a good point. And really, in a nutshell, what you're saying is we need to know each other's stories. Yep. And and oftentimes we're so busy looking at the outcomes that we're after, looking at the goals and the vision that we don't take the time to know somebody's story. So funny is just yesterday chatting with this lady, she's in her mid seventies and she was explaining, she just started launching on her story of how she got lived in Vancouver Island, got her start there working in the parliament buildings, met her person to be husband there but decided to move to Toronto first because she wanted more life experience and and I listened in fascination as she as she was telling me her story she would interject it 
and explained to me how grateful she was that I had called her and what a friendly voice I had on the phone. And I thought, what an interesting interchange that we're having. And such a strong reminder as we go into this conversation today, knew we were going to talk about this, that that just put such a fine point on it for me, that we need to understand each other's yeah. stories. That's who we are. And totally, totally. We and want I'm, to be known. Yeah, and you think about the, I mean, I always like to talk about how the scripture was written as a narrative, not yeah. as a bunch of facts. Yeah, yeah. Was, and, and we see ourselves in the narrative of the scripture, and we see these characters come to life that embody our flaws and our strengths and what we aspire to and how it, it something deep within us resonates with the idea of narrative. So yeah, it's a really, really great point you bring up. I have a couple more questions for you. It's really great that you joined us today. Just uh, love chatting with you. Um, Want to kind of move into talking to you about how you intentionally develop leaders. I mean, you are such a champion of the next gen leader. Um, my daughter, no exception. You have championed her. You have helped develop her as a leader. But when you look at um, identifying that next gen leader and then uh, pouring into them. Can you give us a little bit of an understanding of the thought process and, and some of the strategy that you use to go about doing this? Yeah, I think I, uh, first and foremost, I'm, I'm genu genuinely humbled by young people. I'm genuinely humbled by how fast they learn, how resourceful they are, um, the things that they know how to do intuitively that I don't know how to do, um, if it's technically, you know, anything like that. I'm genuinely humbled by young people. And I think I start most relationships with the young people in my life out of that um, point of view. Um, I think it's really important that we don't come across in a patronizing way to them, um, that we're looking at them with the capacities that they have that we do not have. Um, they were kind of born into stuff that we're learning 30 years later that's not intuitive to us whatsoever. So I think really um, approaching younger leaders from a place of humility and not what not what am I going to teach you, but what are you going to teach me? And automatically there's a trust that's there and there is an empowerment there that they're not on the receiving end of what I have to offer them. I'm on the receiving end of what they have to offer, what they're going to teach me. And I think that just levels the playing field. Um, and I, and I'm genuine in that, like I'm genuinely in awe of young people. I mean, I know there's things that are challenging, but just the way that they're not afraid. They're very courageous and um, adaptable and resourceful. And, and who doesn't wanna work with somebody that's a yes person that will say yes to something way before they say no to it. Um, so I think approaching that relationship with that young person from a place of humility, which I think we should do with anybody. But I think when we're you know, 10, 20, 30 years older and we think we've got a whole lot to school them on or teach them, I don't think that we come from a place of humility. Um, and I think right there, you've got to wall up with that person. And um, I think that's the first step for me. 
No, that's really that's really good. A good reminder. It I it brings into sharp focus uh, the uh, the work that Patrick Lencioni did in his book on uh, the hungry hung, hungry humble and smart, smart. leader. Yeah, yeah. What what does that look like? The ideal team player. What do they yeah. look like? And that humility is is huge. And I think part of that, Dana, is as you are mentoring that young person you are exemplifying what you want to see them yes. develop in their life. Yes. Yeah. Right. And I think when you're, I mean, transparent to, to, a, to, with boundaries, right. It's not like you tell them everything that you've ever done wrong or, you know, but coming from a place of humility, they're much more apt to ask your opinion um, and to, to not, yeah. I mean, people want to help somebody. I think that's just intuitive. We just want to be helpful because that gives us value um, to the other person. So I think that that's a big piece of it, um, that you just start developing a relationship. I have a need and you have a need. Like, let's do this thing together. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, uh, you've helped us uh, with mentoring in the Immerse program, and we talk about mentoring this next generation of leaders. And what do you think... Uh, is the biggest struggle with uh, investing in the next generation? What do you think is the biggest holdback for us as leaders? What holds us back the most? I think we're worried that we're not going to see a return on investment and that somebody else will. Um, that I can pour all this kind of time and attention into someone for them to utilize that somewhere else. Uh, and which is really quite selfish because <laughs> whatever skills and abilities we have have been given us by God um, and whatever skills and abilities that person has has been given to them by God and you're just helping them figure out how to use them um, and so I think we can be shy to really pour into people not knowing if we're going to be the person that earns the reward of those things that we've poured into them that it goes somewhere else you know, that's such a good point you bring up because just as you're saying that, I'm thinking, yeah, yeah, this is good. I, you think about Joshua. Mm -hmm. He did not really come into his own as a leader right. until, you know, Moses was gone. Yes. You think about Elijah and Elisha. Uh, it wasn't until Elijah passed him his mantle and he walked off into the mm -hmm. sunset that Elisha mm -hmm. came into the full yeah. fruit of his ministry. Yeah. Look at Jesus' disciples. Yeah. They were all kind of train wrecks. Right. Until Jesus left them, and then they had to they had to shore up and stand up and take everything that that Jesus had poured into them for three mm -hmm. years, yeah, and do something with it. And so it's it's I think what I hear you saying is that it's counterintuitive right. for us to actually do what we've been called to do, hundred percent, completely, because it's this. We are selfish. We care. We do care more about ourselves than we should. And if I really pour into somebody and somebody else gets the reward, the selfish part of me is like, but I want to see that. You know, even as a parent, we pour into our kids and, you know, when, you know, when they go away and do their thing, it's like, well, you want to see them. You want to see that. You want to see that come to fruition. You want to see all that time and energy that you've poured in and be able to sit back and bask in it a little bit. Um, we're selfish. Yeah, that's we want, really we want to return on our investment. We want to see it.
Mm-hmm. And that's an uncomfortable reality that we live in. And like you yeah. said, in your, in your parenting yeah. and in your leadership. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the struggles that we have as leaders in raising up another generation mm-hmm. is that we are a little bit scared that they could potentially be better than us. And we talk about it. We talk the game. Oh, we're going to raise up leaders that are going to be better than us. Super easy to say when that young person's fumbling around all over the place and making all kinds of mistakes. And they're like a massive awkward turtle in the room. Yeah. Oh, we're all over that. We're patronizing. Mm -hmm. We have all the right lingo. But when they really shine Mm -hmm. and they are blowing us away, we actually, she have to, you know, to quote the uh, the comedian John Christ, we have to check our hearts. Yeah. You know, we have to do that that thing where how are we really doing with this? Yeah. yeah. And I I know that I struggle with that in leadership. You kind of look around at the at the playing field, at all the people that God has called, the platforms that He's given them, the people that they lead the things that they're doing and you can really spiral into that place of, well, I should be there. That should be me. I could do that. Why didn't God call me to do that? And, um, just finished doing a podcast that's going to get aired probably around the same time as this one, talking about the habits of thoughts that we have that run through our heads. And so what kind of habits are you in in your thinking that are getting you the outcomes that you want? And I think, you know, you're talking about the outcome of seeing, you know, leaders raised up. But what are the routines I'm in, in right now that are going to get me that outcome opposed to the routines that are going to stymie that outcome, me being the biggest obstacle to the right outcome. I think that the whole thing, like the underlying and everything that we're talking about is your ability to be humble. Because if you're humble, pouring into somebody um, and watching them become much better than you are, you're okay with that because you're humble about it. Or giving, a, you know, pouring into that person and and that going towards somebody else's organization or somebody else's leadership and not yours, you've got to be humble with that. You've got to hold everything loosely in your hands. Um, And you think, you know, you think of Moses, just the humility that he had to have, like he's long suffered and watched somebody else cross the Jordan long suffered. Oh yeah. You know, talk about humility. And and that's, that's the lesson. Yeah. I I think that's the baseline. That is so good, Dana. And, you know, you think about Paul's words to us uh, that I, he's talking about himself, I must decrease and you, speaking of Christ, must increase. And, you know, if there was anybody who had bragging rights in regard to being a stand-up leader, it was him. I mean, he'd blown it big time, he, but even, even when he was on the dark side, uh, when we meet him in the book of Acts, uh, he was a phenomenal leader, even on the dark side. And then God took all of that leadership ability and all of his drive and his charisma and his ability and his brain power, and he channeled it for his glory. And that early church, that was a hard pill to swallow as they watched this guy that had been a Christian killer, you know, rise up to be the known leader of the early church. Right. Oh, like yeah. I, if you and I were in that position, if we were early Christians, oh, yeah. we'd, suffered, we'd been beaten up, we'd been yeah. 
you know, the whole nine yards. And then this cracker jack comes right. along. Yeah. Uh, we, you know, that, that took a lot for those early Christian leaders to invite him in and make that work and watch him do what he did as he took the gospel far and wide. So, yeah. well, yeah. that's a, that's a really great thought to leave this podcast on. And I, you know, as we, as we connect here with our other leveraged women leaders, as we, uh, as we say goodbye to them right now, is there any any parting words that you would have for our listeners today? Um, I would just say, look at the people that God's put in your life, and He's the one that's put them there. You didn't handpick anybody. Um, care for them. Um, be humble about it. God's given them to you. You didn't. You didn't find them. Um, so just stay humble. Yeah, that's, that's really what I would say. Yeah. Well, Dana, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. Uh, we, I love doing ministry with you. I look forward to more times where we can connect on this podcast and talk about what God's doing in mm -hmm. the ministry we've been called to, what he's doing in our own lives mm -hmm. as we continue to walk humbly with our God. So thank you for being You're with welcome. us here today. It's a pleasure.